one of the things that also motivated me to join Stack Overflow in the first place was um, I did get the sense that it was going to be a place that could support me being fully who I am. You know, I came out as a gay man since I was 14, basically, um, person of color as well. And trying to find an environment where I felt like it was going to be safe and where I could actually fully express myself was something that was really important to me. So thinking about inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging was something that was at the forefront, even from when I was trying to consider joining Stack Overflow in the first place. UiPath offers a platform for automation, combining robotic process automation, or RPA, with a full suite of capabilities like AI. Developers of all ranks are building upon the UiPath Community Edition. Expand your tech suite and join UiPath Community at community.uipath.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, the Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. Joined as I often am by my wonderful co-hosts, Matt and Siora. Hi, y'all. Hi. Hello. We have a special guest on today who Siora noticed on Twitter, where she spends most of her time, yes. <laughs> uh, but also someone that I know from uh, my stint at the New York office, uh, used to sit together at lunch often, uh, quite a fellow, John Chan. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast again. Welcome back. All right. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be back. John you were recently promoted. You are now a director of engineering on the public platform team. Tell folks a little bit about how, you know, your your origin story. This is the MCU. This is the Stack Overflow universe. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you ended up here at the company and what you've been working on up till now and kind of, you know, a little bit of what that new title means, what you're hoping to work on. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so yeah, I think the maybe the best way to sort of talk about this is, you know, maybe really where I started to learn to code, because I think the first important thing to say is that, you know, I'm a self-taught dev, like, I didn't go to school for sort of like computer science, and, uh, you know, didn't go to a boot camp. So coding has always sort of just been something that was a hobby of mine. And I didn't really sort of envision myself sort of joining a place uh, like Stack Overflow, especially since the reputation for it was like, you know, this is a fantastic place for software developers, but I never sort of envisioned that for myself. And so it was really a surprise for me and, uh, you know, a really interesting journey for me to get to Stack Overflow in the first place. Uh, you know, basically after, you know, I finished college, I spent a little bit of time doing some management consulting and some other odd jobs that were there. But I always had hobby projects that I've been working on since, you know, my MySpace days when I was sort of like trying to build a glitter cursor to sort of follow my blog and all of that stuff. <laughs> um, and so, you know, side projects were always a really big part. Um, of my life, regardless of sort of what it was that I was doing for my day job or school or anything else like that. And, you know, one day I think back in, I guess now it's 2013 or so, uh, I had a side project that uh, was called Bento, where, you know, I had a bunch of my friends that were constantly asking me like, hey, you know, I'm really interested in learning how to code. I want to learn HTML and CSS and JavaScript. Like, where should I go and learn? Um, and, you know, this is around a time when there were a lot of really interesting resources that were coming out uh, on the Internet. And so I had this email that would go out and decided, hey, why don't I just make a place where um, I could put all those links to all these different tutorials and then open source uh, all the data that was there and posted it on Hacker News and on Reddit. It ended up on the front page of both of those places on the same day. And uh, that's when Stack Overflow decided to reach out to me and see if I would be ever interested in actually working there. Um, you know, two weeks later, all of a sudden, I was speaking to Joel Stolsky, one of our founders, and yeah, it's been history ever since. Wow, what was that like as a self self taught developer, like having a company reach out to you for the first time? 
Oh gosh. I mean, I, I mean, I really couldn't believe it in the, in the first place. Right. I mean, I remember when I was in school, especially like, you know, as someone that was self-taught and even just trying to do some of the interviews, like with, uh, you know, the big, uh, big codes that were out there and failing miserably at some of those uh, interviews in the past where it's like, I don't even know what a red flag tree is. So please don't ask me more interview questions <laughs> about that kind of thing. Right. And so there was a very much, it was a really big shock for a place, uh, any place really to reach out to me to see if, you know, did I want to be an entry level software engineer of any kind, let alone a place like Stack Overflow, where, you know, I really considered it as a place where, you know, some of the best engineers that I could possibly think of, folks that I've been following for years and years were working at. And so for them to reach out to me was a really big surprise and shock. Yeah. So I want to hear about after you started as an entry level developer who was also self-taught, what were some of the like biggest shocks for you at like working a part of a, as part of a team? as a professional developer, when you come from that like background of like usually working on projects by yourself, what was that like, like enter that new environment? Yeah, um, you know, the first thing that was much of was a shock and sort of something that I really needed to adapt it to was just really working on a team for one, you know, uh, because I was a self-taught dev, a lot of the projects that I was working on were things that I came up by uh, came up uh, with by myself and then eventually uh, just released or really didn't collaborate with a lot of other folks with. And so the very first thing that I really had to adapt to was working with a lot of other software engineers and basically everybody uh, was a lot more advanced and a lot more knowledgeable about the kind of code that we were writing and the kind of technologies that we were working with. So that was the first adjustment that was there. And again, you know, one of the things that I was really concerned about was that, you know, oh gosh, I'm a self-taught dev, you know, I don't have this sort of background here and I'm working with folks that are like, literally the top 10 all-time reputation at Stack Overflow. And that was a really intimidating experience at the beginning. But one of the things I found out really quickly after I joined too was just how supportive everybody was when it came to actually helping me learn how to code um, and really get up to speed with all the tech that we were working on. You know, Stack Overflow is all about trying to help people, you know, expand their skills and their knowledge and all of that. And that was reflected inside the company just as much as it was in our product. Yeah, one of the things that I've always really enjoyed about working here was that emphasis on sort of like education and career development or personal development, being able, when I came in, um, you know, there was a little bit of coding course that was taught by Sarah Chips, our director of community at the time, did it with a whole bunch of other stackers from across every department. You know, there were people there from the technical side of it, but I was in marketing, there were people from sales um, and a, a pretty generous stipend, um, you know, for people to check out conferences, take courses, you know, order books and things like that. So it's kind of cool how, yeah, the creation of the company was all about spreading knowledge and they really do emphasize that internally for folks. So John, you mentioned, you know, a few things that I thought were interesting, self-taught, came in and joined a team, kind of had to learn that. Talk a little bit about career progression. You know, I think that's a topic we touch on a lot uh, during the show, the IC versus manager role, folks who have gone into the manager direction decide they want to go back to being an IC. Um, what was that like for you? Did you start out as an, as an IC and then move slowly into management? And if you did, I think that's the way it went, kind of like, when did you learn, oh, you know, there's something about this, you know, kind of role of growing a team or working with a team that I enjoy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I definitely started as an entry level, uh, you know, uh, individual contributor um, when I first joined Stack Overflow. And that was the, uh, you know, the position that I sort of had um, for several years. You know, I did sort of get promotions over time, like I became a senior engineer and then eventually became a principal engineer um, a few years later. But you know, being a manager was not necessarily something that was on my radar for a long time until I'd say, you know, the opportunity sort of presented itself later on. You know, uh, I've always enjoyed coding, right? And I've always really enjoyed how it could actually, you know, specifically how to help other people learn how to code too. I mean, that was a big part of the motivation 
um, that I had for building Bento was just like, oh, I want to collect all these different resources in one place to help people learn for free. And it was very much in line with the work that I was doing at Stack Overflow. And I think there was some time, especially once I got to a place where I became a principal engineer, where I was like, listen, like, what's the way that I can make more impact here? Is it by me getting even better at writing code? Or is it something else where I can actually have a larger impact here? And one of the things I kept thinking about was like, you know, I can get 10% better as an engineer faster when it comes to writing code, building better products overall here. But I think the thing that'll really maximize the kind of impact that I want to make is by helping other people get become better engineers. And that's not just with the products that, uh, you know, that we were working on at Stack Overflow or the side projects that I had, but mentoring uh, other developers and helping them grow in their careers here. And so, you know, uh, that's really where the switch sort of came on, where it's like, you know, uh, you know, my ability to sort of help and develop this product or to help other people get become better as developers, I can do that internally here by becoming a manager and trying to help them, you know, be- become better developers through coaching, through mentorship, giving feedback. That's really where that switch came in. And what did that look like? Like, what were some of the things that you discovered as you began to grow more into the manager role? What were some of the things you learned? Some of the things you didn't anticipate that would maybe difficult or interesting or something you enjoy? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think one of the very first things that I had to realize is that this felt like a real career switch. Um, I think for a lot of people that I end up getting into manager roles, you know, not just specifically to engineering, but um, a lot of other disciplines that are out there, design, sales, anything like that, where you eventually become a manager, you know, a lot of those folks, I think, came into those roles because they were very successful at a particular craft or skill that mm. they're sort of specializing right. in that discipline, right? The better you get a code, you know, great, you're able to deliver things more and more. But once you become a manager, the skill set is completely different. You're no longer working with computers and with code anymore. You're working with people. Right. And, um, you know, that was, I think, the biggest shift that I really had to make here. And that was one of the very first things that I remember my manager at the time told me was that, like, hey, you're not going to be able to sort of solve the same problems that you've been solving with code like you happened in the past year. It's a very different skill set now at this point. So, you know, I'm instead of actually spending time with my editor, I spend a lot of my time in docs, reading, writing, having conversations, listening to people. Right. That's really where uh, the, the the real shift was for me was that, hey, this is not about code so much more. Yes, you're still an engineering manager, but it's really about the people and how to make them put their best foot forward. I I have a question on that then, because I'm kind of at the stage of my career where some of my friends have reached senior level engineers and they're thinking about making the next next step to management. One of the conversations that's come up recently is, do you need to have a good technical foundation to say, for example, a senior level engineer to become a good people manager, to become a good engineering manager? And I'd be very curious to get your opinion. Like, do you need those technical chops in order to become a good manager, considering that you're no longer working with code? Or can you be a great manager with less of a technical foundation? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I think that it is still important for you to have a technical background and a strong technical foundation in order to be an effective leader in an engineering organization, right? Like if you're going to be giving direction or you need to tie break certain decisions or provide sort of like a strategic uh, sort of direction for the team and um, everything that's sort of under your purview, you need to be able to have that technical foundation, right? In addition to, of course, uh, guarding the respect of the folks that are supposed to be under your leadership, having that technical background is going to be very important, right? Um, but one 
one of the mistakes that I do see a lot of managers end up making is that they end up still coding a lot while they're supposed to be managing, right? And again, this sort of goes back to what I was just saying before, where the, the, the core of your work is really about helping people become better developers, not to be a better developer yourself, right? Um, and so you get to this place where it's like, all right, how do I get to a place where I'm going to help our people to learn better, become better developers themselves instead of doing that myself, right? I think that's where the balance of the shift ends up being. Yes. I have a slogan, delegate and elevate. It's not, I haven't made a tea cozy yet or anything, but this, <laughs> yeah. is, this, is, this is a new mantra for me. So I guess, you know, thinking a little bit about that, another big thing that you and I have talked about fr from the time that I joined, um, especially I think as I got to understand like what role affinity groups play at Stack Overflow and your participation in them was this idea of diversity, equity, inclusion, now belonging as well, uh, runs under a few different names, but talk just a little bit about your involvement in some of those activities at Stack Overflow. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, one of the things that also motivated me to join Stack Overflow in the first place was um, I did get the sense that it was going to be a place that could support me being fully who I am. You know, I came out as a gay man since I was 14, basically, um, person of color as well. And trying to find an environment where I felt like it was going to be safe and where I could actually fully express myself was something that was really important to me. So thinking about inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging was something that was at the forefront, even from when I was trying to considered joining Stack Overflow in the first place, uh, knowing that a lot of the folks that were already in the company that could vouch for that, so that some of our founders um, cared a lot about that as well, just knowing from like the blogs that they had written about um, you know, these issues, that was something that was really attractive to me. And it wasn't until I sort of joined Stack Overflow that um, I started thinking a lot more about that and how it would be a really critical part of my work. So, you know, I'm now president of the uh, Asian and Pacific Islander Affinity Group for um, those folks and employees that want that kind of support. That's actually one of the very first affinity groups that we had started, I think, back in like 2015 or so. And that's still something that uh, I'm doing right now. And what's really interesting to see as the company has evolved is to see how much DIB is now becoming more and more um, something that's just for employees, but something that's actually being baked into how we think about our products, how we position ourselves in the market, all of those different areas, right? If we're thinking about Stack Overflow as a place that's going to try to serve as many developers as possible, we need to be thinking about people from all of those different backgrounds. And so as we've evolved as a company, as a product, as a brand, those are all things that I think we're starting to think more about. Do you have any tips for people who are either starting out or maybe they're at the senior level or maybe they're at the manager level who want to work advocating for diversity and inclusion into their career? I think that's something a lot of people are passionate about and a lot of people care about. But when it comes to actually executing on that in the day-to-day -day job, that's not as clear. We talk a lot about how important it is, but I don't think a lot of people know how to actually advocate for that in their day-to-day -day job. So if you have any tips, I would love to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the very first thing that I think about is that uh, to recognize that you're not alone uh, in this kind of work, right? Even though you may be the only person that seems to be thinking about that at a company, there are lots of other people that really care a lot about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging at other organizations, a lot of nonprofits that you can sort of go to to sort of reach out, you know, I certainly made use of a lot of nonprofits that I was already a part of in terms of doing volunteer work to go to them for resources and support, um, even if there wasn't already built-in support at the particular companies or the organizations where you're trying to enact some of that change or to try to make a difference on that particular front. So first of all, it's just knowing that you're not alone in thinking about this kind of stuff. And it's really hard to make any sort of meaningful change or impact um, just doing that on your own, right? So that's the first thing. 
Uh, second, along those lines, too, is to find the other allies that you may have around this sort of issue, even if it's not a, related to a particular identity that you have, uh, that you sort of want to be able to advocate for. Everybody has some aspect of diversity, equity, and inclusion belonging, or I truly believe that they do, that they want to sort of get behind and sort of work with you to make that better for everybody in the company. Once you sort of find, I think, like a coalition of certain folks that are really care about these issues, then I think it's really important to sort of get leadership buy-in, right? That's one of the other things that I really appreciate about being able to work here is that we have a great dialogue uh, with our senior leadership team and the folks that I've been able to sort of work with on these uh, issues here so that we can get the buy-in so that it's not just treated as like an extracurricular thing on the side of your sort of like a, a main responsibilities as an engineer or a manager or whatever that might be, but it's treated as like a first order important thing that is critical to the mission um, and that has buy-in all across the different levels that are there. So finding allies, leaning on sort of the resources that you have even outside of an organization, and then trying your best to see how you can actually fold in uh, your leadership there, I think are great places to start. Do you have any, with your experience uh, working in this field for you know your, your the duration of your career, do you have any specific like wins or like success stories that you'd like to share on the podcast if you're comfortable doing so? Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting, like, like the, the, actually the first thing that I sort of think about when people ask me, oh, like, do I miss something about engineering? Or what is the thing that you're sort of most proud about when it comes to even a diversity, equity, inclusion perspective is actually maybe the last sort of project that I really worked on before uh, I stopped. Um, being an individual engineer and becoming a manager, which was the April Fools that we did like a few <laughs> years ago. So um, I don't know if you know this, but or maybe some of our listeners may not be aware, but like we did like a 90s time machine April Fools wait like a few years ago. Um, and basically we turned the Stack Overflow question page into like a GeoCities website where there was like a glitter cursor that you were having to go across. And also we had like ASCII art in there. And the reason that I'm proud about that, not necessarily because it made like change people's lives or anything like that, it you know, put a lot of, I think, smiles on people's faces, but it sort of felt like a full circle moment for me. You know, like <laughs> I was saying before, I, I started off learning how to code by right. working on GeoCities sites and MySpace and, you know, Zanga sites and all of that. And to be able to go and actually change something that I knew almost every coder would recognize immediately with the guest book and all of that stuff. Um, was something that was really, really uh, gratifying for me. And, you know, to pay homage, I think, to this, the the history that I had as a self-taught to. Yeah. We need to have like a cup. We need to just have like a celebratory episode or two where we focus on this. Siora has brought it up a few times, but Neopets, MySpace, yeah. <laughs> uh, Zynga's a new one, Tumblr, yeah. you know, just uh, I think, yeah, people of a certain generation, we've discussed many times how getting into these things as a teenager, a part of discovering yourself, forming your own identity, wanting to have an online identity that you can customize, led you to front-end web development and from there down the path. Um, and then there's like an older school version of that with some of the guests we've had on where, oh, I was just really big into video games and eventually I ran out and I had to build my own or I was making, you know... Um, a, uh, a an online uh, sort of like bulletin board or running a forum for Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, you know, and that that sort of led me down this path of needing to learn things so that I could advance sort of this personal passion um, that I have. So very cool. I, I want to add really quickly, which kind of goes into tandem all this with all this. I've been trying to find what the current generation's version of that is. Like, what is the thing <laughs> oh. that people like kids today or teenagers today I know are it. doing? I that helps them Money. learn how to code. <laughs> I, actually, I came across something very interesting. So I kind of thought that like, maybe it's not Tumblr anymore, but a lot of people built quizzes on Tumblr for like different fandoms. So like, um, 
like say you're a, a huge fan of a certain anime or something like that or a certain k-pop group they'll have like quizzes to help you like learn who the characters are or who the members are and things like that and they're building this into tumblr and i'm pretty sure they're using code to do that so just a side note of like the legacy is still going on of like people who are like using these social media apps to like learn how to code definitely um so one i know is roblox which my kids play and in that one you can build a game and they have a whole separate editor that lives on the desktop where you can design a game. And then, you know, similar to Zynga or something like that, you know, you, you can put in little in-app purchases and, and try to turn it into a business or whatever. So that's one people are definitely using. I don't actually know. I think I might use Unity. I'm not sure exactly what languages it uses, but uh, I'll look it up now while we're talking. I know chatting to quite a few of the, my friends who, who went through university uh, doing computer science, for instance, there was definitely more of a shift where people became aware of the kind of like lifestyle that software engineers can lead in terms of like the work and the compensation and like the cool stuff that you can build. And I, it's a little bit sad because I'd love all these origin stories where somebody was like, oh, I wanted to like impress a partner. So I learned how to like make a, make a bot and Neopets and, and you get those kind of origin stories where I feel like a lot of the, the people learning how to code now are doing it from a much more entrepreneurial kind of mindset where they're like cool i want to build something that's going to grow and turn into a business and that kind of stuff and that's awesome i love that but i also miss the og stories that's still there though that's still kind of there a little bit you can find i want to look for it hard but it is i want to see more of those i want to talk about more of those on the podcast okay um lua which i'm not super familiar with i have heard of this programming language which once or twice is what roblox is and then i shared their little um lightweight high level multi-paradigm programming language okay there you go um i shared that yeah they have like a whole online course i mean that's the other thing john i don't know you mentioned sort of offhandedly that you were studying certain things but you self-taught developer were the things that you were studying at all connected or they were completely separate like your academic pursuits to the degree that you did that and then the coding side of it oh yeah it was basically completely separate like just to give you an idea you know i was coding when i was in high school but then when i was going trying to decide where i wanted to go for college afterwards it was between architecture school which i actually got into or it was me going to be studying philosophy uh and i ended up going the philosophy route so (laughs) being technical you know computer i think i maybe took one computer science course the entire time that i was in school i think it was for ios development way back when it before Swift, and it was still Objective-C because, gosh, I could not figure how to make heads or tails of Objective-C <laughs> at the time. Yeah. So I was like, I think I need a little bit of help on a minus one yeah. to go into this. But that was it. Um, we talked a little bit about like the origins, of, like how you got to start coding with like building projects. Do you still build any projects or maintain any projects like in your spare time? I know that must be like a little bit extra since you're <laughs> spending most of your time like managing things like that. But like, you know, sometimes sometimes I'm sure you have like the desire to code a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And actually, yes, I still code. It's funny because, again, it's sort of coming full circle again, where it's like my hobby is coding now, because that's actually not what my main job is anymore. It's dealing with, you know, coaching and managing at this point. So, you know, one of the things about working at Stack Overflow for such a long time, you know, I've been here now for uh, almost eight and a half years now, is that we've been dealing with the same technologies for quite a long time. And so the only time that I get to sort of try out new things or, you know, more cutting edge stuff, like I'm really interested in the, the modern JavaScript ecosystem, serverless stuff, mobile development too. Those are all areas that I don't get to explore nearly as much on the job as I uh, would like sometimes. So I end up still building out uh, hobby projects in those areas. So um, brushing up a lot right now and sort of like Next.js, a lot of React right now too. Um, and really interested in a lot of those technologies as well. 
I'd be remiss to ask because there's probably a ton of self-taught developers listening right now and they have the opportunity of an engineering manager to give golden advice on what they should be doing. So for any self-taught developers out there right now who haven't yet landed their first job, what kind of advice would you give them in order to stand out against potentially their peers who are coming at you, coming at them from a computer science degree or they're just trying to get their foot in the door in the market? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, I think the first thing that I'd say to folks that are self-taught devs that are just trying to get into their very first position, I think one of the things that I, I hear a lot of people that are in that position talk about is that like, oh, you know, I don't have the sort of like computer science background with sort of like the data structures and algorithms portion of this. And I didn't get to go to a boot camp, so I don't, I don't really know how to build apps and all of that stuff. And one of the things I tell them, too, is that like a lot of the people that, you know, are in boot camp or that are in a computer science degree also feel like they might be missing some of those areas too, right? So if you're from a come, say, a more traditional background where maybe you went to school, like a four-year degree program where you did study computer science, for example, like they probably spent a lot of their time uh, learning things like about operating systems or data structures and algorithms, but they haven't really had a chance to do web development because that's not taught um, as widely as I think a lot of most, uh, a lot of folks might think that something like web development might be taught um, in those settings, right? The same thing kind of goes for the bootcamp grads too, right? Like they probably are able to get a lot of the, um, you know, background when it comes to, uh, you know, maybe how Scrum might work or maybe those technologies that are on the job that we're sort of thinking about a lot, but they haven't had the chance to sort of like just try building something on their own without a lot of guidance, which is a really critical um, sort of skill that I think is important once you are on the job. There are areas where, you know, even if you might think that someone from a computer science degree program or, um, you know, something like a boot camp they, that they have, you also have a lot of things that are, are unique that you bring to the table here. So I think that's the very first thing uh, to think about. And, you know, in the end, you know, I, I the way that I did this was by building projects, right? Keep building the stuff um, that really interests you, right? Like, that's how you're going to be able to showcase, I think, your skills and ability. Um, and then, yeah, that's probably the advice that I give to folks that are in that position. Yeah, the best resume is being on the front page of Hacker News. You can't, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's undeniable. But um, I actually have a question, John, like, I don't, I don't know how involved you are in hiring. So maybe this isn't a question for you. But if you are to the degree that you could field this question, when you look at like a, an application, let's say somebody doesn't have a CS degree, how would you evaluate them? Would you look at personal projects? Would you look at you know their per, what they're doing on GitHub? The Stack Overflow questions is like if they didn't have an academic degree to kind of validate, hey, I made it through four years, and so you know like I have this competency. What could you use aside from like obviously bringing them in for a technical interview to kind of evaluate whether or not the person is a good fit for the role? Yeah. So, you know, I am very much involved in the interview process. And yes, we are also hiring. So if you're interested in the plan for Stackerville, would love to see you come over. Um, but the things that I'm actually looking at uh, when it comes to a resume, especially for someone that is in a, in, from a non-traditional background or maybe doesn't have the sort of uh, background that uh, someone that went through a four-year degree program might have. Um, you know, the things I really look at for are really three things. One, sure, technical proficiency, right? We want to see that you're not, this is not the very first time that you're going to be coding or building a web application or something else like that. So personal projects, schoolwork that you might have done, hackathons that you might have went to, right? Those are things that are important that I would certainly be looking at too, right? The second thing that I think, uh, you know, I really take a look at is a lot of those sort of soft skills or what I like to call professional skills, right? Um, have you been able to be a leader uh, inside of an extracurricular, for example, right? Like, were you president of like your um, hackathon sort of like team or something else like that, right? Um, I think what a lot of people don't realize, especially uh, when they're thinking about hiring folks, is that it's the technical skills, I think, that you can probably um, have an easier time sort of coaching, right? Like, oh, here, go learn React or, you know, I didn't know C-sharp when I first joined, 
you can spend some time coaching somebody that doesn't have the technical skills there or the knowledge there uh, pretty easily, but it's really, really hard uh, sometimes to actually coach some of the softer skills there. Personal accountability, your ability to communicate proactively, make sure everybody's in the loop there. So any that can indicate that you have leadership skills, that you can execute, that you like to lead teams, that's also something else that I like to see. And then really the last thing is that you have an interest in the place that you're applying, right? Uh, you know, one of the things I love to see is someone that ha- took some time to maybe volunteer to help out with coding classes, or maybe they've actually contributed on Stack Overflow, right? Like we want to see that you're enthusiastic about the mission. Um, and that goes for any company, not just for Stack Overflow, right? If you can show that, like, I read their blog, and I'm really interested in this thing, or listen to the podcast that you guys put on. Uh, that's something else that would be really useful to know uh, when you're applying for a job. Very cool. First thing we'll do, as we always do, is shout out the winner of a lifeboat badge. Somebody who came on Stack Overflow, they found a question that has a score of negative three or less. They gave it an answer. Now that question has a score of three or more, and that answer has a score of 20 or more. So thank you to Roko C. Bulajan, awarded 21 hours ago, pure CSS3 image slider without JavaScript or radio inputs. You want to know how to build it? Roko has the answer for you. I am Ben Popper. I am the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can always email us, podcast at Stack Overflow, with questions or suggestions. And if you like the show, please give us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps. My name is Sierra Ford. I am a developer advocate at Apollo GraphQL. You can find me on Twitter. My username there is at Cioreo, that's C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. I'm Matt Kinanda. I'm a technical advocate here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on YouTube and Twitter at Matt Kander, M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. And I'm John Chan, Director of Engineering at uh, Stack Overflow. You can find me on all social at John H.M. Chan. That's J-O-N-H-M-C-H-A-N. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon.